Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about today, right? So you can go ahead and dial it if you want to, and uh, we'll work you in throughout the course of this show. We'll run some numbers from PFF with Ben Brown. He's going to join us as usual coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. The Colts postgame show host, Greg Rakestraw, bottom of this hour. The newsworthy items today. Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator that most of you have heard of, but really didn't know what he might be doing. It is funny. If you follow my Twitter account at JMV1070, uh, you get a lot of people suggesting that, well, there was a reason why he does a lot more than what you're saying, and he was failing miserably. Look at the starts. Granted, if you look at the starts, there is no doubt. But if you looked at the starts a year ago and you didn't figure that out a year ago, again, that's something else that you can put on the decision makers. Something else. This is nothing more than a scapegoat. It is. I tweeted that this morning, and you know, not a lot of people wanted to argue about it, but some did. Like, there's a good dude named Rodney who listens all the time, and I appreciate him a great deal. And Rodney said, hey, what's it going to matter? Somebody had to go, and they're all going to go more than likely, or many of them will go at the end of the season. But it's really nothing more than that. I hope that Frank takes over the reins of offensive coordinator and they get off to better starts. Didn't we go through training camp in different times and different measures for the start of the season and to get off to a better start? I never once heard, well, you know, Marcus Brady has to be really better here in scripting the first 15 plays. It was always about getting the team ready. So Marcus Brady was the reason why this offensive line was supposed to be one of the best and as of last week was the worst and certainly probably still in the running for one of the worst. That a reason why? He's the reason why? Hey, listen, we can all beat our heads against the wall. This is exactly what happens when you have a season through the first eight weeks 
that is rotten with foobar. This is exactly what happens. This is what goes down. I had mentioned from the basic outset, the first month of the season especially, that offensive line was going to get somebody fired. I thought it was going to get Chris Strasser fired, the offensive line coach, uh, but it got the offensive coordinator fired. That's where it all starts. That is where it all starts. This must have been really a lot of fun for Marcus Brady, though, falling on the sword like this. Carson Wentz a year ago, Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger. Who would not have a great deal of success with that? Offensive coordination wizardry from somebody? Come on. But the Colts make that decision. Frank announced that decision earlier today. Frank is again going to take over the reins as the offensive coordinator. And this is exactly all the symptoms of a fubarish, horrible season. And you're a game under 500. Then you got a trade deadline that's counting down right now until 4 o'clock. Somebody had asked me last night because I did see the rumors. Uh, when I was up uh, between tweets with those wanting to uh, engage me regarding Miles Turner, which is always good. I know you guys entertain that. It really, it's probably better entertainment than the Monday night football game was last night. Always strong entertainment. But we were going back and forth regarding Naheem Hines. So let me get this straight. And, and I don't know if he's going to end up getting traded. But apparently, you get teams that are reaching out. I just saw Stephen Holder tweet that with the NFL trade deadline looming within an hour, Naheem Hines is still in play. What are you going to think uh, they get out of Naheem Hines? Uh, Fifth? Fifth rounder? So you draft him as a fourth. uh, You try to develop him, and then you punt him for a fifth? Is that what happens? (laughs) I'm sorry. That is pretty funny. I've heard some other names as well. I know that Ryan Kelly's name had been mentioned. We were talking to Bob Kravitz yesterday about that. And and all that anybody ever wants to mention are guys that aren't playing well or guys that you think, all right, it's absolutely done with them right now. I can't lie to you. I would not mind seeing Naheem Hines go someplace else, and it'd be pretty funny to me if he thrived. I'm not trying to be negative regarding Marcus Brady. I don't know what Marcus Brady brought to the table compared to what he didn't bring to the table. But as easily as you can tell me that he was responsible for the first, what, 15 plays of the game, it was all on him, and all these slow starts, they were his fault. You know how many different things I can point at and go, why don't you put that on the head coach? Why don't you put that on the general manager? Say, what about this offensive line? Building blocks again? What? I'm sorry. Foundational pieces? What was that? Where are they going? How about the owner? Let's keep on pushing this ball down the road. I know it's can down the road, but I didn't want to say can. I think it's actually kicking the can down the road, but I think you catch my drift on this. All right, this quarterback's not working. He doesn't want to come back. You get this guy. All right, this guy, he didn't work. I don't like this guy. Go get this guy. All right, this guy doesn't work. He's got a shoulder injury. Let's put in this guy. He's never started a game before. Yeah, these all, these guys are all responsible for it. There's no question. But, again, that is what a scapegoat is all about. 
oh, he's not a scapegoat. He hasn't been good at his gig. Doesn't matter. He's still a scapegoat. And you probably don't even know what his gig entails in the first place. Do you? You know? You think you know? Guessing? Again, this is what happens when your season is an absolute mess. Everybody thinks that this is great to come in and talk about this junk. There is nothing that stinks more than talking about this. We were going into Tankertown last night. We'll see if they get something done. They started training camp trying to hopefully change the outcome in ways in which they start the season, ways in which they start the games. You look back on this, and if you didn't notice this last year, it did happen last year. And this is offense is so bad, you can blame everybody. You can blame absolutely everybody if you want to. And somebody's going to have to fall on it. And Marcus Brady fell on it. Now, I'm not here to carry the flag for Marcus Brady by any stretch because it was going to be inevitable. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. If things don't go, and really we had a different thought process going. Remember, disaster time was if they lost to the commanders, but at that moment it was disaster time losing to the commanders with Carson Wentz at the helm. We had no anticipation that Jim Mersey was going to say about Daniel Snyder what he did, and Carson Wentz was going to be out, and Taylor Heineke was going to get in, and Taylor Heineke was going to beat your defense on the final drive. Now, I know that losing to Carson Wentz would have been bad, but that one's in the ballpark right there. Hey, let's face it, with this regime, five and six years, You expect more, and you absolutely deserve more. And we'll see where this all goes. Maybe nothing at the trade deadline. Maybe they don't find anything they like at the trade deadline. There's a lot of movement. Chase Claypool, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh to Chicago. Bradley Chubb from the Broncos to Miami. The the Miami Dolphins are saying, hey, listen, draft picks be damned here. Let's just go at this. Let's go at this a little bit. So Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. I think I just saw Calvin Ridley. When's Calvin Ridley come off of suspension? The Falcons wide receiver that gambled a little bit and got suspended a year ago. November something? No, he's out the entire year. The entire year? Yep. You also hear that the Jaguars aren't happy with Trevor Lawrence. And that's what goes with a bad season. And that's what they're going through again. Down in Jacksonville, and that's what people are going through around here. And then when you see, you see your division rival again doing what you wish you were able to do, what your owner absolutely wishes you were able to do, makes it even worse. But make no mistake about it. You can look at it across the board and, you know, the bad starts and this is the points they've scored and this is how they're down in every game. That's okay, but this is still the definition of scapegoating. When everybody else is chiefly involved and really make the argument, 
Start with the offensive line. I've said that from the very beginning. If they fail, this offense fails. So what has happened? They fail. The quarterback fails. The running game fails. The offense takes a significant hit. You have to find a scapegoat right here and right now. I I don't know if we're ever going to find out who ultimately it was. Was it Chris? Was it Frank? Was it Jim Irsay saying, hey, you know what? This is bad right now. You at least got to make some sort of change. There are probably a lot of you out there that maybe didn't even know who the offensive coordinator was. Now you do. I think I saw a little bit earlier in a snip from Pat McAfee show, Marcus Brady, nobody even knows who the guy is. That's what happens in a bad season. Guys turn in to a fall guy. That's exactly what Marcus Brady was. This is for further down the road, but certainly... We're going to have a lot of time to talk about this, right? Well, we got nine more nine more weeks of this. And assuming it doesn't get any better than it's gone so far, we're going to have a lot more conversation, a lot more time to talk about it. But are you in a position right now? What if they were to bring back everybody? What if Marcus Brady is the lone foal guy in this? Now, again, my thought is there's going to be much more. I think everybody else would agree with that. But what if? Anybody going to have any belief? That finally in year six and seven for these guys, it's going to be any better? You give the general manager an opportunity to try to put this thing back together again? Selling everybody on beliefs? Selling everybody on what works, even though that it doesn't necessarily equate to what other teams are doing, how other teams are being built right now? I'm the smartest dude in the room, so watch me work. Let me show you what I can do here. Meanwhile, everybody else is doing what you watch. Everybody else is trying to get down the field. Everybody else is finding playmakers. If you're sitting there right now thinking about this, would you trust? You trust the hierarchy back again to put this thing back together with a, a new quarterback, a drafted quarterback? Some of the decisions that are going to be made, coaching decisions that are going to be made. Anybody trust that? Does Jim Irsay lose in the court of public opinion when it comes to Colts fans if something is not done? I'm not down with the program of firing for the sake of firing, but I think five and six years we have learned a lot. Well, you know what? They were put in a bad spot, and they also put themselves in a bad spot. When you look all the way back, if you want to go all the way back and consider the bad spot that they have been in, that they've tried to work at over the years from Brissett to Rivers to Wentz to Ryan, now to Ellinger, you can firmly place blame on them, and I mean all of them, top to bottom. Frank, Chris, Jim Irsay, I'm going to hold on to hope that 12 comes back, reverses his decision, here's some money just in case you feel like coming back. Don't do anything about it at that moment. You believe in Jacoby Reset until you don't. You believe in Phillip Rivers. He doesn't want to come back for year number two. That leaves you hanging too. That's leaving you hanging part two. Carson Wentz, coach, talks owner into it. It's going to be great. You know, I know this. I have his ear. We believe in one another. That fails miserably. 
If something has to be done, you get a director from up the top, you've got to get rid of this quarterback. All right, what are the options here? Well, here's the free agent options, beginning with Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, that's not very robust. I don't know about that. What else can be done? All right, so the dominoes fall the way that they do, and here's Matt Ryan sitting on your doorstep. He's 37 years old. He didn't have a good season, that final one in Atlanta, but the belief is that he can. There can be a rebirth of sorts. And that doesn't work. So as much as you want to say they were placed in a bad position, this has been a lineup of bad decisions. And that has to be owned. At some point, that has to be owned. There's still a lot of time to go. Again, you got nine weeks to go. I'm not suggesting anybody jump to conclusions, but I am kind of curious where you might be with the thought of a rebuild with a same or at the very least similar regime that we're talking about right now? Where would your belief be or are you bailing? Now, if you're bullcrapping me and say you're bailing and you're really not, that's different. But are you? Now, you got ways to voice your opinion. Would that be one of them? Got a lot of thoughts here today. I want to work people in. 239 1070 coming up in a minute. I mentioned Greg Raystraw at the bottom of the hour. We can go over the Colts' offensive numbers. They haven't been good. How much of the fault do you believe actually would be on the shoulders of the offensive coordinator? And most of you probably just learned who he was today. How much of that fault? I probably have three or four And see, I don't mind responding. If you have a differing opinion, I don't mind responding. But if there is a a hint of jackassery toward me, you're going to get it back. So I want to hear, oh, you're in a bad mood. Oh, man, you're Mr. Mr. Sensitivo. Nah, I treat people how I'm treated. I don't swing the jackass stick at you until it is swung at me. So if you do that, then that's on you. But serious conversation, how much of that do you think is on the offensive coordinator? I hope that everything changes. They come out. They start scoring. That first quarter is just absolute offensive efficiency slash wizardry coming up in Foxborough. Do I believe it's going to happen? No. Again, those slow starts, that's something they Hope to address in training camp. That's something that if you wanted to do this right now, you could have done it last year. You could have figured out, hey, you know what? There are a bunch of slow starts last year. This is not what it was with Nick Sirianni. You didn't think Nick Sirianni could look like a better coach. He's an undefeated head coach in Philadelphia right now, but really this deal makes him look even more valuable, if you can believe it. It's like when he left, this whole thing went to hell in a handbasket. Guys, read some of those angles now. Well, look what happened. I think we completely underestimated Nick Sirianni getting a gig in Philly. Do you guys remember the thought when he accepted, when first there was interest, and then he accepted that head coaching job in Philadelphia? Is You remember, Kyle, what it was? That he was completely over his head. Not only has he not been completely over his head, but it may have been one of the better 
strategically speaking, coaching maneuvers that we have seen because he gets out of this crap fest and then goes, and he is the darling of the NFL right now. So a shout-out to Nick Sirianni. I'm getting out of here. I think it was the first game, too. Didn't he struggle in a press cut? His first press conference, it was a mess, right? And now this guy is like a reincarnation of 80s Joe Gibbs here. It's pretty funny. But how much on the shoulders with that dismissal of the OC today? How much does that fall on him? You agree with the decision, you don't. Now, I don't really want to get into long-winded explanations like I'm giving you right now, but you know, I've, I'm going to fill up about 20 minutes with mine. But from you, I understand what the offensive coordinator does. But in this case, with this team, the way that it has looked, he would be the last one I'd be thinking about blaming in a lot of respects right now. Last one, I would blame the first one that's going to get the gate. Again, that's what happens in a highly disappointing season. That's exactly where we are. That likely doesn't change. And, oh, yeah, he absolutely calls the plays. Well, you know, he doesn't do it at the beginning of the game. Yeah, listen, the offensive coordinator is moving dudes around and chase chess pieces in practice. But me, you, anybody on, you really don't know what the job criteria is for this guy until you're told. But what I said earlier today is not inaccurate. He was absolutely a scapegoat. Yeah, Matt Ryan would have been a scapegoat too, but Matt Ryan actually had a ding shoulder. Actually couldn't play last week. And see, you guys right now are in love. That's another difference too. You guys are in love with Sam Ellinger until you're not. You're not so in love with Frank Reich right now, so you kind of look at this differently. Everybody's cool with Chase McLaughlin, but there are no doubt that Rodrigo Blankenship was, was that first one. Again, this is what happens in a highly disappointing season. That, by the way, you still have, what, nine weeks of. So get ready to go. All right, let me talk at you at 239-1070. I don't know if I want to dive into the Miles stuff. I know Miles had a bad game. I am very realistic about Miles. In fact, I'm very realistic about everything. He is incredibly inconsistent. He is not going to be here come February. Sooner, later, whatever. He's not going to be here. My point was not his game. I said all I said yesterday before he actually played and went out there and looked like an absolute mess. He just looked really irritated. I think I'd look irritated too. That would have been one of my, if I'd have played like that, I'd be kicking balls into the stand. Like later on tonight, I'll be playing. If I stunk like that, I'll be kicking balls up into the stands and yelling F-bombs and everything else. 
She had every right to be mad because he was terrible. But again, to me, you guys are all completely misguided in your opinions regarding what he said to Adrian Wojnarowski. And if you don't think so, listen to it. With Miles, you're just trying to find anything that irritates you about the dude. With Miles, he was trying to sell himself. You should love that. You should be absolutely in love with that. They do a great job with it on the floor last night, no doubt about that. But that's not what I was talking about. And the other part of it is, and I always find this funny, and this comes with inconsistency, I do get it. But on Friday night, and I don't know, everybody's got to hit me with plus minuses. I love that nerdery. That's the best. Just slam me with the plus minus. Look at his plus minus. <laughs> I want to look at his plus minus. I'm looking at the box score, and that's enough without having to view the plus minus. But nary a word was said after Friday. Nothing. You know who said a word? For, that's me. But you know who sits here and takes it the game after or the next? That's me. So I've got a pair. A lot of you out there don't. A lot of you out there don't. You you only you only stop by my place when something's going your way. That makes me sad. You got to be better than that. I'm better than that. I thought I was leading the way. I'm like the Pied Piper of being a responsible talk show host here. So I'll bring you the bad news just like I'll bring you the great news. A lot of you only show up with 33 in mind when the bad news is going on. And again, that is all because of the inconsistency. That is just what that dude is. But bear in mind, they still have to get something for him. You still want them to get something for him. And then once he's traded, you guys can just go off the charts. Jackassery. I'll give you a great example. Last night, Kyle, um, Jack Assery, my plus minus in Jack Assery to me was like plus 45. It was incredible. Now you got some region clown. Imagine what that's like. Dripping down from the armpit, talking at me. Well, what's that make you? Well, I mean, it makes me the crotch. I'm in southern Indiana. I'm the crotch. Does that make you the butthole? No. If I'm turned around, it might, but otherwise it doesn't. Simple anatomy there, brother. But it was a plus 45 in Jack Asri last night. It was great. Were you by yourself in uh, not defending Miles, but uh, mm. I guess kind of defending Miles? I, no, 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 no. I was defending my point. I was defending my point. I didn't. I understand when he plays. Uh, Friday night, it was great. Last night was awful. I understand where he is inconsistency-wise. I just don't get why everybody's on him for what he said to Wojnarowski. That was my whole point yesterday. He, yeah, he, he, is, he, he is saying and doing what you want him to do. Well, he just wants to go. Like, some numbnut said, oh, that's just like Paul George and Victor Oladipo. How stupid are you? It's not even close. Not even in the ballpark. It's ridiculous. Not even close. So, yeah, you're defending what Miles said on the Woj pod. Yeah, he's trying to market and sell himself. He knows his days are numbered here. I mean, they have been. They went out and got a big man for like three hours in the summertime for him. They've been trying to trade him for three years, and New Orleans had interest, Charlotte's had interest. 
They've been trying to unload him. He knows that. Fans hate him. He knows that. He also said in that podcast, well, you know, you, you really want it to work. You know, you want to make sure that they get something for me. But instead, you just got a high level of numbnuttery going on right here, which is always just beautiful. Uh, we can hit that if you guys want to as well. Joel Erickson of the Star, Ben Brown, PFF. Rakestraw is going to join us coming up next. Marcus Brady was fired as the offensive coordinator and uh, a complete and utter scapegoat. You can forget about it if Frank steps in there and fixes everything. So does Frank step in and fix the early game woes, fix the offensive line, fix the running game, fix the passing game, gets the tight ends involved? Does all this happen? Doesn't this put a lot of pressure for, I can't wait for, for, it. for the offense to look a lot better? I mean, it has to, right? Well, if it doesn't, you only have one way to point now. One way to point. And that's where you should be pointing all along. He's the head coach. That's the way that it goes. They get it. All right, quick break. I got your phone calls on the other side as well. I also have Yacht Rock Review tickets to open up 2023 in style with a party over at the Mira'o National Center. That before the end of the show, and Rake Straw from the post-game show joins us coming up next. 93.5107.5, the stream, the app, HD radio, and you got us inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool... Consider me Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I am so stinking glad you're here. I can't get over myself. Where's my draft capital? Kyle, it's 335. Where's my draft capital? How can I properly be sports aroused today without talking about draft capital? I can't do it. Where is it? You got about 25 Come more on. minutes. Don't leave me <clears throat> hanging. Where's my draft capital? Don't we want to talk about draft capital? See, here's what you guys don't understand getting back to 33. Here's what you don't understand. Stop laughing. (laughs) See, now you got me laughing. How can I do a serious show when you're laughing? Here's what you don't understand. Actually, what he's doing is genius. You ready? Want me to sort this out really quick before I get to Greg? Yeah, go ahead. What's your theory? So, it's genius. He's trying to sell himself publicly. Saying, hey, here's what I am. Here's what I can do for you. He's trying to market himself. He's trying to get himself traded. While, last night, for example, being so bad that he will also help this team get closer to Victor Winbayama. I mean, it's really amazing the juggling act this guy's doing right now. He's leaving everybody a parting gift before he leaves town while trying to leave town himself. Hey, this is where I want to go, but I'm going to play bad last night, so you're gonna, we're going to stay close. You were entertaining, and you lost. That's what everybody around here always tells me they want, entertainment but losing. So because of, not solely because of, but in part, he keeps you closer to win Bayama while also trying to sell himself someplace else, which everybody around here that's a Pacer fan wants to see. What's the problem here? If Miles' last move is helping the Pacers 
What's the problem? Get the number one pick and draft Wembanyama, and I think his entire tenure here has been a massive success. What is the problem? Tell me what the problem is here. Even you clowns, tell me what the problem is. Put on your fake red nose and dial. Back with your calls in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, he was the post-game show host and has been for a number of years now. Greg Rakestraw joins us. So are the Colts fixed now? So you, Marcus Brady is gone, so everything offensively is going to be fixed? I highly doubt that, John. I hope it's that <laughs> simple, but uh, I'm going to answer with a likely not. Mm, how do you view that, what went down today? Give me your explanation of why they decided to make that decision today. I don't have one because let me give you the biggest reason why you wouldn't make that move today. You just made Sam Ellinger your starting quarterback. And after week one, where, yes, you lost the game, and, yes, you scored 16 points, but generally everybody was happy with how Sam played. Now, going into his second week, when you're playing Bill Belichick, and it's a, is it a vintage Patriots team? No, it is still a Bill Belichick coach defense. Now you're going to change things up and you're going to switch your offensive coordinator. And again, there's only been a lot of different, you know, coaches, fingerprints on that game plan. Lots of Frank Reich, lots of Scott Milanovic, some of Scotty Montgomery that is in there too. But I'm, I'm, am I happy with the overall performance of anybody on the coaching staff for the Indianapolis Colts? Not really. Maybe Bubba Ventron at special teams. Maybe you'd say Gus Bradley defensively because of overall how the defense is played. Nobody on the offensive side of the ball you would say that about. But I'm still not sure if I am going to make a move on a on a position coach slash coordinator after you just made a move to bring your second-year quarterback to the starter and knowing you're preparing for the New England Patriots and a Bill Belichick coach team this week. I'm not sure the timing of that is great. It's kind of equal to the timing of, making three or four positional changes along the <laughs> offensive line when you have a short week in Denver. Completely agree with that assessment. Greg Raystraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Back uh, the last time they made an offensive coordinator change in season, uh, yep. it was from Pep Hamilton to Rob Chudzinski, and there was a prior relationship there with Pagano and Chudzinski. Now you go from Marcus Brady to Frank Reich, and there's that clear relationship with Frank Reich to Frank Reich. So it all makes sense. Yeah, I think there's a pretty good relationship there between Frank Reich and Frank Reich uh, at this point. And again, let's face it, this has always been the case where Frank has been the head coach. He's not exactly involved in the defensive game plan, okay? So this is not some dramatic shift in terms of, yeah, because again, as, as uh, I'm not thinking I'm breaking news here, you know, Frank Reich is the play caller and has been yes. uh, since he got here for, for the Indianapolis Colts. So again, this is why we can say, hey, listen, how much of a change or an impact is this going to be? I have no earthly idea because I can't sit here and, and tell you exactly where Marcus Brady's impact stopped and where Frank Reich's impact began. Um, they're all, to me, on, on the same watch at this point. So uh, I just got to shrug my shoulders and go, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens next. It's like Greg Rakestraw, post-game show host, a little high school football we'll have him interject upon coming up before we uh, let him bail off of this show. Um, as far as Sam Ellinger's concerned, I put it this way yesterday. I thought he was fine. And yeah. then I get people that were irritable. Some guy says, your bias is showing because he was better than fine. What's wrong with saying fine? And then when I referenced him yesterday as he, he looks like a good backup quarterback and he was fine, is that so wrong? 
I wouldn't say it's wrong. It's your opinion. I would probably say that, you know, that uh, that he was a, a little bit better than fine. Um, I'm even thinking that potentially well, he could be something more. Give me, give, you're a wordsmith from Lanesville, Indiana. Give me a better word than fine. Give me your word. I would say he was good. Good. I think there is, is a difference fine, between good and fine. Fine and good are right there together. They are. Oh, yeah. But as a man that's been happily married for 20 years, you know the difference between good and fine, John. There's a big difference depending on the connotation no, no, no. that you give. With that. Good is so um, overused. Fine is original. <laughs> fine. He, he was, <laughs> See, you can't, you can't you can't even stay away they, from it. I'll you can't stay away. Objected fine to your fine. Uh, I yeah. I thought Sam was pretty good yes. on, on Sunday. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I get the biggest gripe you can have is the fumble that he made. If we're going to get on Matt Ryan for every turnover. Same for Sam Ellinger. You've got to protect the ball better in that situation. Um, but, again, Sam looked like a capable quarterback who could move. I was still disappointed in the fact that Colts only scored 16 points. That has to get better. But given how I thought that start could go for Sam Ellinger, I thought he played really well. So, Greg Rakestraw via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Disappointing with the defense. And I know that – Tough call, tough play. McLaurin's really good. I, I mentioned Stephon Gilmore yesterday uh, not being able to, to make that play when they certainly needed it. What you feel like in the press box when that defense was there, up six, had the opportunity to close that down and then didn't? I, I thought Washington made some really good plays. Again, the Colts didn't make a play, whether it was Stephon Gilmore. Um, and I went back and, and I saw kind of the, the, the overhead view of that Man, Gilmore was on an island for a long time on that play. Uh, and so if you be critical of Gilmore, that's fine. McLaurin beat him on that ball. I think you can really be most critical, though, is the fact that the Colts did not get to the quarterback during the course of that drive. Credit Heineke. He made some nice plays to keep drives going. But at the end of the day, I, I think that drive is kind of how we would describe this Colts defense for most of the year. They've been good. It's, it's like we're having our conversation about fine and good again. Um, they've been good. They've been solid. Um, but when they have had to have made a play, it's really happened in Denver because it, that's kind of the one time they have made a play for the most part to get off the field or a game-changing play in terms of a turnover. They've been good. They've not taken that step to great. And, and because of what the offense has been, the defense has had to have been great for this team to win football games and they were great for about 50 minutes they were good for the last 10 minutes and that was just good enough to get them beat hey greg i've got about 15 minutes here before the the trade deadline in the nfl am i going to to get a sports arousal from hearing about draft capital because i don't want to miss out on this we we have been friends for like 20 years yeah it, for, and I hope we're friends at least the next 20 years. That means we're both still around for 20 years. And if it goes longer, well, we're going to have to be to see one of these teams in the postseason again, Greg, so we've got to live through it. We will consider that a bonus. <laughs> I, I can yes, go the rest yeah. of my life without you mentioning the word arousal. <laughs> I can't help it. Um, but, and the amazing thing is, is I'm that, fine is with that my the arousal. Script, yes. The, the script writer of, well, you do work for a sports talk radio station. There's a lot of conversation about that during commercial breaks. Right. Um, so, so I would say this, the script writers of sports have given you this convenient out. So if you just want to talk about your, your Bradley Chubb and instead of your sports arousal, you can do that today because he got traded not to the Indianapolis Colts or, or by the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I, 
I, I didn't think this team would be exactly a seller nor a buyer, um, kind of given where they are. And I realize it's not been good, but yes, this team this team is still in contention for a wild card position. So the whole Naheem Hines deal, I'm trying to make sense of that or figure out why the Colts seem adamant of moving on from him, other than they don't know how to apparently use him or or, or think that maybe he's not worth the investment they gave him last off season. So I have no earthly idea, John, because frankly, if you had asked me yesterday, I would have told you the Colts would be sitting there quietly during the day today, and obviously that has not been the case. Got about 14 and a half now, 14 straight up minutes until the top of the hour trade deadline. Straight up. Yeah, I see what you did there. See, good job. (laughs) Well played by you. All right, Captain Quack Daddy Donut, Andy Arendale wants you to talk up the Shamrocks in Noblesville coming up on Friday. What do you got for us? Sam Rocks are great. I was very impressed by what I saw uh, from them uh, against Carmel. This is, a, this is a Westfield team that graduated a lot off those two teams that, that made the state championship game each of the last two years. I thought Carmel was going to win in a, in a close, low-scoring game. It was only low-scoring for Carmel. It was close until the fourth quarter, and then Westfield pulled away. So I was very impressed by Westfield. Um, the Noblesville folks, they, they are seemingly figuring something out. You know, they have struggled, obviously, in football for the better part of the last 20 years. I think they got something going up there, but I would probably lean towards Westfield and Quack Daddy's own Westfield Shamrocks coming up on Friday. All right, so Todd Meyer's in here right now, and he has earbuds in. Yes, sir. You think he's listening to the show or listening to something else? What do you think, Greg? Um, I would say if we <laughs> keep talking about Chubb straight up and arousal, he's probably going to have to listen to the show whether he is or not. Just curious how we're going to gauge that. Hey, my brother, what do you got coming up on Friday night? So Friday night I got Cathedral and Lawrence Central. Uh, so LC going for a sectional title for the first time in 10 years. Cathedral going for a 6A sectional crown. And again, two-time defending 5A champs. You know, some key Division One pieces, Jerron Tibbs, uh, Gilbert, Kendall, uh, Danny O'Neill, who will be a Division One player in a couple of years. Oh, the Wooten kid I think is hurt, but he's a, a D1 prospect off of that team. It's a it's a cathedral team that's got some great talent. They're probably not as deep as they were a year ago, and LN gave them a scare last Friday night. That tells me that these two teams, separated by 2.3 miles on 56th Street, should have a heck of a football game for me Friday night on my Indy TV. Well done, Greg Rakestraw. Can't wait to check that out, and we'll see what happens this weekend. Do it all over again next Tuesday at this time, my brother. Appreciate you. Good luck with your countdown to 4 o'clock. You got it. Greg Rakes are all right there with a fine interview. Quick break. We're back. Top of the hour, Ben Brown, Joe Erickson, the star, 5 o'clock hour, Marcus Brady fired, trade deadline NFL. That's at the top of the hour. We'll let you know what the latest is next. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Naheem Hines was just traded according to ESPN.com. Are you ready? The Buffalo Bills. Way to go, 21. Go get you some in Buffalo. That's awesome. I love that. I love it. If they don't know how to use you here, if you don't get an opportunity here, hopefully he gets an opportunity there. I'm excited for him. I like Naheem a great deal. All right, do we have what the – Draft capital, I got to see some assets here so I can feel good about this. Naheem Hines to Buffalo. Hashtag Tankertown. 
Naheem Hines to Buffalo. Now, listen, does it mean that they're tanking? No, because he just wasn't utilized here. Some want to blame him. Others, you know, obviously want to blame Frank. But you add Naheem Hines, or at least a threat that we believe him to be, he could be, with a better offense and a stratospherically better quarterback and coach. This seems like it's a pretty good deal. No, I'm good with 21 going there. What's the compensation? Have we seen it? Haven't seen it yet, no. What's the draft capital here? Let's find out. Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard getting himself a fifth rounder to work with here because that gets me all excited. I can't wait to see what Chris Ballard in round five has to deal with here. You guys, anything yet? The thing with Buffalo, too, they're going to be good, so that's going to be a later half of the round oh, selection, man. so you maybe hope for a third. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much a fourth, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. If you're getting a Let's fifth see. rounder, it's essentially a sixth-round pick. Let's see here. Yeah, this has been something, right? So last week, we could go yesterday, Matt Ryan bench for Sam Ellinger. Uh, the Colts hose it up and lose it home to Washington. The only redeeming aspect of that is that Carson Wentz, for the sake of the owner Jim Irsay, was not under center for that game. That would have been even worse. Uh, this morning, Marcus Brady gets fired, and then this afternoon, Naheem Hines is going to Buffalo. Somebody tweet me once you get it, that compensation, because I, I'm going to spend two hours talking about draft capital. Ryan Cameron says, we've now resorted to rooting for Colts players that have been used incorrectly when they go to better teams. Is this officially the bottom? (laughs) Well, uh, this is where we're all hanging out right now. Seriously, I like him a great deal. You guys know that. I like him a great deal. I hope he performs fantastically. I do. I wish him nothing but the best. Naheem Hines going to Buffalo. Uh, joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We will monitor to see what the compensation coming back here is going to be and then talk about that once we get the information. But Ben Brown of PFF, the data scientist, is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Naheem Hines to Buffalo. Does that excite yeah, you and your numbers with the Bills offense? What, what is that? What is the, what's the Bills offense look right now? They have they have Singletary. I haven't is Moss has Moss been playing or is he injured? I know Singletary's in the backfield. I know that they have a number of very quality weapons. How do you think twenty one Naheem Hines fits in to the system up there? I mean, I definitely think he fits in. They I think they drafted James Cook to kind of be this this Naheem Hines type version in that Bills offense. I think, you know, obviously the early fumble situation with him, uh, you know, severely limited his snaps through the first seven weeks of eight weeks of the season. I did think he, you know, flashed a little bit downfield and at least his ability to kind of make, uh, you know, almost like the contested catches that we've seen Naheem Hines make. So I do think those two players, you know, very similar. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they divvy up, you know, the snaps, but there is probably some reason for why, you know, the Bills are very much going all in this year and maybe feel, you know, more confident in Hines, with Hines in that role uh, than a rookie like James Cook. So I think that's the kind of, you know, the expectation. But Naheem Hines, I think, you know, very much can probably carry the workload for the Bills in a lot of situations. I think he'll probably spell, you know, Devin Singletary a lot more than what James Cook was 
uh, you know, as well. So uh, I think at least for Naheem Hines specifically, it's, it's it's a very good fit and kind of an exciting, you know, transition to go to, you know, what is clearly the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, again, Naheem Hines traded right here before the trade deadline from the Colts. 21 goes to the Buffalo Bills. We await any word on the uh, compensation that the Colts will get in return. It's been Brown of PFF on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I had described Sam Ellinger and his starting first start of the NFL, his starting debut this past Sunday against Washington as a fine effort. I thought it was fine. A lot of people suggesting I didn't go far enough. I should have said it was better. I should have said it was good. I should have better than good. Whatever. How did the numbers bear out that first start for Ellinger for the Colts on Sunday? Yeah, so we, we had a basically as like a slightly below average uh, PFF offensive grade in week eight. So uh, I would I would kind of agree with your assessment, but I think that, you know, from, from where they were at with Matt Ryan at quarterback, it, it was definitely an improvement over being kind of a basement dweller at the quarterback position as far as what they actually brought to you in that particular match. But I think that, you know, he was under pressure still a lot. Uh, did have like the five scrambles, only took two sacks, but very much, I would say, made some plays to extend plays downfield, uh, you know, with his legs and also kind of avoid, you know, certain pressure situations that would have very much uh, been a highly negative EPA type play if Matt Ryan was that quarterback. So I think there was, you know, probably enough flashes from, from Sam Ellinger to, to, to at least be somewhat excited about uh, you, you know, him starting over Matt Ryan, I would say, for the rest of this season. You may have to rehash that because I'm trying to add Naheem Highs to my fantasy team right now. Is that okay? Can you say all that again? I'm just joking. He should already no, be I'm on. Just... He should be on your. He should be on your already. Problem. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, so. Yeah. That that wasn't working too much on the fantasy team um, for the uh, the lack of production around here. But certainly, hopefully, he gets that done in in Buffalo. I would say this about the Bills as well. As much as I like Josh Allen, it's a matter of time. Maybe not this year. Maybe not even next year. And they're obviously in Super Bowl winning position right now. That's where they are. But at some point in time, he's going to get broken in half by somebody defensively running around like he does. It's a matter of time. <laughs> I mean, he does take too many hits. Where so many other guys slide, he is very much, uh, you know, not not predisposition to kind of get down when he should. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you, obviously, with doing everything they can to protect the quarterback position. But when you are an active runner, uh, you know, that definitely changes the dynamics of things that they can actually call. And, I, I, you know, I tend to agree with you. It's obviously really difficult to predict injuries, but right. uh, the way and style in which he plays, uh, you know, it, it is very conducive to uh, taking some very unnecessary hits, which is only going to, you know, maybe shorten uh, the time frame for which he actually spends as an elite quarterback or, you know, uh, you know, severe the hamstrings him in any one season if he does end up getting injured, I would say. All right, Tom Pelissero is reporting that we just talked about Zach Moss, the running back of the Bills. He was traded along with a six-rounder um, here. So Zach Moss is coming here and a six-rounder. So I actually I get to talk about an actual player and a little bit of draft capital coming here. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Zach Moss is a guy that very much, you know, fell out of favor uh, was 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 kind of supposed to be the early down grinder of that Bills offense. Very much did not live up to you know the draft capital capital that they spent on him. And I think has been you know for all intents and purposes not if he's not inactive, he's not really getting on the field in an offensive possession. You know in, in the last three weeks of the season. So 
you know, a very much maybe a buy low spot on him, but he also, I would say, kind of profiles in a similar way to, you know, a very poor man's version of Jonathan Taylor, right? And I think that if you already have Jonathan Taylor, you know, the, what Moss is going to give you and what you're going to benefit from actually playing him is always going to be at a reduced rate to just keeping Jonathan Taylor on the field. So I think that's maybe the concern, at least with Naeem Hines, you had a little bit of, you know, uh, the pass catching ability downfield, especially that Jonathan Taylor doesn't necessarily bring to this offense. But, you know, that's very much a situation or a, a spot where, you know, Zach Moss is not an improvement over Jonathan Taylor really in any conceivable way. And I think that's maybe, you know, the, the one detriment to getting him back in this particular spot instead of getting, you know, you know, a higher draft pick or something like that. All right, Ben Brown, you've turned into the PFF fantasy football specialist. Somebody in my league has Naheem Hines. Thanks for screwing me here, by the way. Um, how about Zach Moss? Is it going to worth be worth the time and the effort here for me? I would say I would say probably not. I think that this signifies, you know, more of a move to Jonathan Taylor being, you know, a legitimate, you know, running back one where he's not going to really leave the field on all three downs except for to maybe get, you know, a, a quick blower breather in a situation where, you know, it's a blowout in either one direction. I don't think Zach Moss is going to be all that involved. And if he is, uh, you, you know, we haven't really seen much from him at the NFL level to say that he's going to be productive whatsoever. So I would say uh, probably a pretty decent hard pass for me on Zach Moss. Uh, getting the ad on 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 our fantasy team coming up here. Yeah, let me tell you about this deal: Zach Moss for Naheem Hines, Naheem to Buffalo, Moss to Indy, and I'm sure he's thrilled. Uh, Zach Moss and a sixth rounder, though Ben, that could it could transition into a fifth rounder. There you go. Yep. I love draft capital. That's great. <laughs> I mean, if it hits, I guess you can always you can always point to that, but. Uh, you know, you know, the, the draft is such a crapshoot. Sometimes you just want, you know, extra extra options when you actually get there. But uh, you know, to give up a legitimate, I would say, you know, very good player at the NFL level, especially at that position and kind of a unique skill set. Um, you know, I, I would have probably wanted a little bit more more from Naheem Hines, but I know, you know, the running back market specifically is is quite yeah. depressed. But uh, you know, the 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 Dolphins basically, you know, gave up a fifth rounder for Jeff Wilson, and I would very much, I would say. Uh, rather have a guy like Naheem Hines and Jeff Wilson, uh, you know, for that sort of compensation. And again, for those that don't know, Naheem Hines, if you're just joining us, traded from the Colts at the trade deadline to the Bills. In return, the Colts get Zach Moss, the Bills, one of the Bills running backs, and a six-rounder that could transition into a fifth-rounder. And if people missed it out there, explain what had transpired offensively with Zach Moss, because early in the season he was being utilized a lot, but that faded as the season went along correct yeah i mean it's very much been a situation where he is you know very much operating as like the third running back in that offense i do think you know people expected him to split you know snaps especially some of these early down snaps with Devin singletary to start the season but he has you know not taken advantage whatsoever i think his rushing yards uh you know a, a calculation that we do is like given given a you know an average context for this particular play situation and run called what would we expect this guy to do Zach Moss has been one of the worst players, you know, running backs in the league uh, at getting rushing yards over expectations through the first two, two two years of his career. So, yeah, very much has been, you know, phased out. I think he basically, you know, came in, um, you know, weeks one through five, really only hit, you know, at a high point, 35% of the offensive snaps. That was in week one. Week five was, was the second highest. He played 27% of the snaps uh, and, and really only got one carry. So really wasn't that involved whatsoever. And then basically – hasn't actually, you know, stepped foot on the field uh, since that week five game. So it's it's 
it's you know uh it, it's it's you know the draft capital is doing a lot of work for Zach Moss, but uh, he has very much been a player that's been you know I would say a huge disappointment at the NFL level uh, throughout his entire career. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're I guess we're in the midst of Tanker Town here because um, you got the Pacers that uh, are in that mode, even though they've been entertaining to watch. Now the Colts you know, fire their offensive coordinator today, and then make that deal for Hines at the trade deadline, get, a, get somebody back that's actually playing in the NFL now, and in, in Zach Moss, and then a conditional six rounder as well. That is the news as. As we just hit the 4 o'clock trade deadline, but it's Ben Brown of PFF, the data scientist, with us every Tuesday. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Any other numbers that you can give me uh, regarding Sam Ellinger and that first start that may have stuck out to you, either good or bad? You know, especially if it's ammunition I can use a little bit later on in the week. Give it to me, baby. What do you got? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought he, you know, and again, he did grade, you know, somewhat below average from a PFF, you know, perspective, especially, you know, passing the football. But I, I think, like, his avoidance of negative plays very much benefited a Colts offense that kind of needs to be you know, more methodical moving the football down the field, right? If you want to rely and you want to build an offense around a guy like Jonathan Taylor, you need a quarterback like Sam Ellinger who does provide, you know, some semblance of a threat to rush the football as well. And we've seen, you know, in prior work done by PFF from a research perspective, those types of guys that, you know, at least offer some threat of rushing the football, very much open up holes and open up lanes for, uh, you know, their respective running backs that also operate in that offense. And I think that we did kind of see that, you know, play out a little bit, both from, you know, Jonathan Taylor's perspective. I think there was that, you know, the the, the reverse play uh, with Paris Campbell kind of coming around the edge as well. Uh, you know, some high high leverage type running plays that definitely worked in their benefit. And I think that, you know, Ellinger kind of operating with his legs does open up, I would say, a, a few more wrinkles to this offense than anything that Matt Ryan's going to be able to be able to kind of provide. So, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I think outside of you know kind of two poor throws, uh, he did basically everything that was asked of him. Made some plays outside of the pocket, which uh, you know is very much something that Matt Ryan's not capable of doing. And I think that you know what we're going to find out through you know the second half of this season is is Ellinger you know the type of player that can potentially be you know a long term solution on his rookie contract you know for the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that maybe that's the question of you know do are they going to be rebuilding after this year or do they have, you know, enough young pieces in place to potentially once again, you know, maybe be in the, maybe be in a spot where they can make the playoffs again in 2023. And I think that, you know, the only way that's going to happen is, you know, if Sam Ellinger plays really well for the second half of the season. And I thought, you know, this first prior, this first performance, um, you know, I think is very much uh, a legitimate building block to actually be able to not only find that out, but, uh, you know, was a, a very good, I think, initial step for Sam Ellinger as the starting quarterback for the Colts. All right, I'm going to have you go ahead and hurriedly get through maybe those pages of the offensive line. We know where they were going into this past week, week number eight. Where the, are they right now coming out of week number eight? Yeah, it was, you know, there, there's still a number of pressure situations that were just, it, it was bad, right? But I think that that's kind of the thing, once again, that Ellinger gives you is is at least not resulting in some of those really bad um really bad you know uh sacks that kind of you know completely fell out of the drive or whatever so we had them uh i want to say 29 from a pass blocking perspective last week um you know heading into that matchup i think we have them uh bumped up just a little bit uh up to 28 basically so they move up you know one spot i think uh, the, the pressure rate, uh, you know, did, I would say, take up a little bit more as well. But the but the pressure conversion to actual sacks, 
was the spot that I think that you're going to see improvement upon. And I think if that kind of continues, you know, they can kind of, you know, circumvent and work around what is very much going to be, you know, a, a below average offensive line for the rest of the season. What is uh, their NFL rank through the first eight weeks of the season as an offensive line unit? Yes, we have them 28th in pass blocking right now. I think they were 29th last week and so they moved up the other. Mm. The, the fourth worst team from a pass blocking perspective, um, you know, so far this year. So that's still not good. Doesn't sound good. I mean, it's definitely below. It's below league average, um, you know. And, and I think honestly, it's why they had to make the change at quarterback because they very much don't have an offensive line that can support Matt Ryan, and they need a guy that you know can at least alleviate the pressure uh, and, and get outside the pocket and then keep his eyes downfield. And I think we saw you know definite flashes, you know, of Sam Ellinger capable of doing that in this match. But maybe you know it, it, if the ground game gets going. Uh, that's a reason why, you know, they're probably in a much better situation with Ellinger at quarterback. Uh, Once again, Naheem Hines traded from the Colts to the Bills. The Colts in return get Zach Moss, uh, current running back, falling out of favor in Buffalo, as we just talked about with Ben a little bit earlier, and a conditional six-rounder for 21, heading to uh, a prolific offense, certainly led by Josh Allen. In Buffalo. All right, we talk about Buffalo all the time as far as the hierarchy of the NFL is concerned. That's everybody's darling right now. Who else is also, if not in that category, nearing that category as we're through the first eight weeks of the season? Yeah, I very much think that it is, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills. And then there's, you know, uh, I would say not not a really dramatic drop-off, but there's definitely a drop-off to the next two teams. I think, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes would still be considered from my perspective, the best quarterback in the NFL. I very much think, you know, they are the second best team uh, in the NFL, but I think they are once again, you know, with the bills healthy, especially in their secondary unit, once they do get Tredavious white back, uh, the Mahomes led chiefs just, you know, are, are not in the same category, I would say as the Buffalo bills. So I think it's the chiefs. I think it's the Eagles. Uh, and, and I think it's the Dallas Cowboys, and I think those three teams are definitely, you know, that second tier. I definitely can, you know, make a case for why one of those teams is probably better than the other one. But, uh, you know, I, I still think they're at least, you know, probably one base behind, you know, what the Buffalo Bills have been able to do. And I do think that, you know, we see that kind of play out, uh, you know, in the betting market odds for the Super Bowl and, and the AFC Championship and all those things. Uh, the legitimacy of Philly, and we know their record, but as far as the numbers are concerned, because Philly's, of course, going to be here in a couple of weeks, they, they, the Colts actually get two teams that at times this season have struggled offensively. It was in a big way with the Raiders in New Orleans this past weekend. They did not get on the scoreboard, but what's what's Philly look like offensively and in comparison to, out of the NFC, the kind of pace that Buffalo's setting in the AFC? Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the only real, uh, you know, reason why you'd have, you know, the Eagles behind the Buffalo Bills and and not necessarily in that first tier with them is because of the quarterback play, right? I do still think there is some question mark to the, the high end upside of Jalen Hurts actually being able to pass the football downfield. Now, he has been able to do that, but I think a lot of that is, you know, the receiver separation with Devontae Smith and then the fact that A.J. Brown, you know, continues to kind of dominate some of these contested catch situations to the point where, you know, Jalen Hurts doesn't, necessarily need to be overly accurate and, and and he doesn't really need to worry about his reads because he can just throw the football up to AJ Brown. So I think that's the one question mark, but outside of them, I would say, you know, they're very much, 
just as deep as the Buffalo Bills. I think they have a better offensive line, number one pass blocking and run blocking unit in the NFL. Uh, you know, have some have some solid you know running backs that can at least you know take what that offensive line is capable of giving them, uh, and, and occasionally turn it into high chunk plays. So uh, you know, I, I like what they're doing offensively, and I think defensively, you know, they have you know, they have a pretty strong front four. I would say you know a top ten. Uh, pass rush grade so far this season. I think their coverage unit as well. They have legitimate shutdown cornerbacks. I think Darius Slay's a guy that has definitely, you know, flashed the ability to shut down an opposing team's number one wide receiver, you know, every single play uh, at times throughout his career, but he has been doing that, you know, week in and week out this year. And they have depth. They have kind of everything that you'd want, you know, on the defense side of the football. So, I think there's definitely a case to be made for why, you know, if you're, if you're evaluating the next tier of teams behind Buffalo, uh, I do think there is probably a distinction between, you know, Philadelphia and the next two teams that we talked about before. And I do think that they are very much, you know, a, a legitimate contender uh, and should very much be the favorite to get out of the NFC when it's all said and done. Ben, before I let you go, maybe size up some of these deals that we certainly have seen have been reported before the four o'clock trade deadline going back to yesterday Roquan Smith the linebacker from Chicago to Baltimore that seems like a a good deal at least in the present time for the Ravens I know Claypool goes from Pittsburgh to Chicago I think Hawkinson from the Lions was it to Minnesota is that where he went Bradley Chubb to uh, to the Dolphins it it was Minnesota yeah so you should be excited about that take take your fandom out of the equation for a moment What, what are these deals you think that are going to immediately help their team the most including Naheem Hines from here to Buffalo yeah I think I and I am removing my fandom a little bit but I very much think you know the Vikings kind of plugging this injury hole that they had left with Irv Smith who kind of you know wasn't really living up to expectations anyway with a guy that I very much think is a top five uh, you know tight end at the position from both a run blocking and pass catching uh, pass catching ability I think that's I think that's a pretty good trade. And, and the fact that they got, you know, so much in return, at least from a draft pick compensation to kind of make that deal, uh, you know, at least somewhat even, I guess, um, you know, for both sides, uh, I think the Vikings very much won this trade and they got a legitimate guy who is, you know, on a somewhat team friendly deal for the next two or three years uh, to kind of fit in with an offense that uh, it needs to kind of turn over a little bit. So I very much like that trade. I know it's, uh, you know, um, it's a little bit of a risk, but I also think the Kelvin Ridley trade from Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. They very much need a, you know, legitimate number one wide receiver option if Trevor Lawrence is ever going to develop. So I like, you know, the gamble that they made going out and getting Kelvin Ridley, uh, very much a guy that I think can be, you know, a, a number one wide receiver option. I think that that is, you know, maybe the concern from the Colts perspective is that, you know, the AFC South, specifically the Jaguars, you know, next year, uh, you know, we always say next year should always be the, t- the time for the Jaguars. But, uh, you know, I think with the with everything kind of breaking in that direction, uh, I, I do think that the Jaguars could be finally, you know, contenders for the AFC South in 2023, I would say, after that trade today. No, so I'm not holding my breath right now. Not if, <laughs> I won't hold my breath this year. But, yeah, for next year with Ridley in mind, yes. And yes. there are like rumors that uh, they're not altogether happy with the quarterback too. We'll see where that ends up going in this yeah. this uh, next half of the season and then into the off season, I guess. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, I think you know the, the the Chase Claypool. I think the Steelers actually got uh, you know pretty legitimate compensation uh, for Chase Claypool. So I definitely like that side for for him from you know the draft capital perspective, especially when you see. You know, a guy like Amari Cooper in the offseason basically, you know, only getting a fifth-round pick 
uh, in return for Dallas. I think, you know, Claypool getting uh, uh, what is very much a high second round pick, uh, you know, was kind of a slam dunk and an easy decision for the Pittsburgh Steelers and one that I found, you know, pretty shocking from the Chicago Bears perspective. All right. Well, thanks for hanging with us via the breaking news angle at the trade deadline, Ben. I appreciate it. That's always good, factual, by-the-numbers information you drop on us each and every Tuesday. Thanks a lot. Enjoy your Vikings. you got to be thrilled about it. Thank you. Here we come. I mean, if you ever want to adopt another team, just let me know. Well, I, you I guys don't. you guys still have really suck weather, and it sucks just a little bit worse right. than ours. So, yeah, that's right. you got to live with that. <laughs> they definitely do. But we, at least we got good football for a little while longer. All right, we'll buddy. see how that plays, dog. I appreciate that's you. It. It's Ben Brown right there, PFF, the data scientist on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Dare I say, would you like to chime in? Naheem Hines traded at the deadline to Buffalo for Zach Moss. And I'm going to try really, really hard not to say Zach Morris. Zach Moss and a conditional six-rounder. But the great news is, if you are a lover of draft capital, it can transition into a fifth rounder. So basically what we're talking about here, you draft Naheem Hines in the fourth round. You develop him with this offense. You endlessly talk about how you're going to utilize him. Going back to, to May, if you remember, where Frank Reich had mentioned if you're a fantasy football owner, you'll want to draft Naheem Hines, which I guess turned out to be accurate. Right? You draft him as a fourth rounder, you develop him, and then you get a guy that had fallen out of favor in Buffalo. He comes here as an established player now in the NFL, and then you get that vaunted draft capital. Does it all seem worth it with this group? Curious. I knew you guys would want to chime in. We can inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We have some very pointed criticism and some love, a little bit of love there. I'll give it up for that inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Otherwise, 239-1070. I've got Yacht Rock Review tickets for you coming up at some point in the 5 o'clock hour. Joel Erickson is going to be there as well. We'll talk about this trade and if anything else might have been workable that did not happen that he had heard of before that top of the hour. Again, Naheem Hines, that trade for Zach Moss. Zach Moss from Buffalo to here. Hines going to Buffalo. Also from Buffalo to here, you're talking about a conditional six-round selection. Also, in case you missed it earlier today, the Colts fire their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. That legit? Or is it, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, a tremendous scapegoating of the former O.C.? Got room for your calls at 239-1070 coming up on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I am really happy for Naheem Hines. Good for him. Go get you some, man. You believe I'm in a position to say that right now? You know how bad it has to suck around here for me to say that? <laughs> I don't give a crap about Buffalo. I just like him a great deal. Naheem Hines traded before that deadline at the top of the hour to Buffalo in return. The Colts get Zach Moss, the running back, 
who had fallen out of favor there, according to Ben Brown of PFF moments ago, and a conditional six-round pick. But the move also does clear some cap space. The Colts will get some cap relief. So you get a conditional late-round selection. It could go from a six to a five, so hold on a minute there. That's draft capital. And some cap relief coming up as well. Where have you heard that before? The <laughs> have to rename themselves the indie cap reliefs. Sean writes this, with all these moves, is it possible that the Ballard and Reich era could come to an end soon, not during the season? JMV, here's breaking news from Matt. The Colts still don't have a serious threat at wide receiver, but hey, by the way, I'm going to hold on a second. I I wish that we could see a real offense in what Alec Pierce could do as a rookie because I know that it's been a lot of negative for me, and rightly so because this whole thing stinks right now. But I will tell you this. I did not expect Pierce to be as good, and I know that he dropped the the touchdown pass in Houston week one, whatever. But he has been, to me, far surpassing what I expected. The thing I like the most is he's legit in being able to get separation. And I think he's going to get better and better at that. He's a go-getter, too. He goes and gets it. I'm not trying to compare him at all to Cooper Cup. So, please, I'm not making this comparison. But in terms of guys that go get it, I love that. He doesn't wait for the football to come to him to get to his body. He goes and gets it. I love that. Thank you, Matt, for that. Jamby, I thought the Colts trade. No, it wasn't Zephyrus Moss. (laughs) Sorry about that. Former Colts offensive lineman. Uh, Zach Moss, wide receiver. Buffalo Bills. All right, we'll get your thoughts on that coming up right now. Two three nine ten seventy. Tony's on board here. Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, JMB, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How about you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Hey, I've got you on speaker. Can you hear me okay? Because I'm driving. Uh, I can hear you just fine, Tony. You be careful out there when you're driving. Go. I will. That's why you're on speaker. Hey, first of all, I wanted to uh, thank you for the tickets to the uh, Bullseye event this past weekend. Got that buddy. food was phenomenal. Excellent. I'm glad you had a great time because it probably uh, it probably was a little bit better than the game itself and how that ended. Yeah, well, I, I was all right with the game, even though we lost. Um, I also want to be one of the first ones to congratulate Naheem Hines on his future Super Bowl ring that he will probably have within the next year or two. Um, and losing our offensive coordinator, does that mean we're going to have a new playbook? No, because Frank Reich is going to be the offensive coordinator now. So it'll it'll be it'll be everything. You know, I, I heard earlier today about how you know, Marcus Brady he he Tony uh, designed what the first fifteen plus plays and their slow starts. That's all his fault, and he's terrible, and he needed to go. He's not a scapegoat. And I get this. I mean, the entirety of the offense needs a blame, and he is certainly a part of that. He does get blame, but to me, it's still a scapegoat scenario. But Frank Reich is the head coach and the offensive coordinator now, so it's all on his shoulders. The start to finish, nowhere else to point that finger. 
here on out, right. Tony. One more thing, and I'm yeah. going to get off here. Um, I just want to say I'm glad you got a new toilet because with all the <laughs> crap that some of your listeners give you, you needed somewhere to put That's it. beautiful, Tony. Thank you very much for the call. Somebody had mentioned that last night. I forget who it was. It might have been Tim Wilson. So you guys don't know that I recognize you and I know you. I don't do hardcore research, but I have a pretty good memory in terms of meeting people. Sometimes I don't remember your names, but oftentimes I do. And I think it was Tim Wilson last night that said, hey, you know, don't you get exhausted with this? And I don't because all I was doing was sitting around and messing. It's fun. If I got exhausted with it, I would just go ahead and not pay attention to it. I mean, I can detach myself from it. But now last night was fun. I had this uh, region clown and this other guy and this guy with an egg and all this. Everybody was converging on me regarding the game that Miles was having. And believe me, when the Pacers play, I just kind of wait on it because it's one or two things. It's last night where everybody rips on me and goes, hey, you're a clown. You don't know anything. Or, you know, some idiot was telling me that I was taking a bunch of L's with my opinion regarding 33. Or it's like Friday night when Miles has a good game and everybody's quiet. Nobody says anything. Because they're nadless. That's what happens. That's what you deal with here. But I understand that. It's all for fun with me. If it wasn't fun, believe me, I wouldn't do it because you know me. I want to remain as hassle-free as possible. So if this thing became a hassle, I would bail on it. Last night was pretty fun. It was. Uh, JJ's online four at 239-1070. JJ, welcome to the show. Hey, JMB. Well, you know good. Ah, wish I knew more. I just don't know enough. Hey, go Ball State Cardinals. Always fly the W. Go Cubs. Always appreciate you, my man. Hey, real quick, uh, just a couple of things. One, that challenge was from Wednesday to Wednesday, by the way. Well, Kyle said it ended yesterday. I asked for official review. He said it ended yesterday. We're going to need one of those. Have you ever seen those commercials that have a red flag? Uh, so, wait a minute. Are you telling me that I screwed this up and now I'm I'm owing on this bet? Is that what you're saying, J.J.? Yep, you got me. Give me some Bismarck sometime soon, my man. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right, so Saturday night I got to give you a little Just a Friend by Biz- Bismarck That's what I got to do? It's not a play. You have to sing it. Yeah, yeah, you play and you uh, sing along. It's karaoke with the music. Yes, that uh, was Okay, it. all right, then. Well, I'll have to give that to I you coming up on Saturday night. And listen, Sean Copeland's down the hall right now as a program director, cringing at this bed and me paying this off. But uh, honestly... I'm not trying to wiggle out of this at all, but I asked Kyle yesterday if I was okay to say it and go to it if the time has elapsed, and he said that I was. So Kyle kind of screwed me over here a little bit. There may be a duet right there because it was the, the words were a week from now on Wednesday, back yeah. on Wednesday, a week from now. That's a long time with the people I have to deal with to go without saying that. <laughs> I heard I heard the whole thing. He was like, can I say it? Can I say Yes, it? I, I ask it. Kyle goes, oh, yeah, it's over. Do it. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> no way. So <laughs> I expect that. And it, Kyle should join in on duet. <laughs> but getting back to uh, the uh, football nine times, yes, we're all pulling for him because this is the second state year where he was not using his proper, uh, you know, with his proper talents. But at the same line, how much longer carrying on Miles, 
and probably Buddy, Buddy Hill. I mean, honestly, because oh, they're they're both going to be traded before before February. Miles definitely is going to be traded before February, and and Buddy Hill you might look at because of his hot start. You know, teams might be looking at him as even more value right now that need shooters out there in this this era of the NBA. But certainly, I, Miles is going to be gone before February. That's going to be a foregone conclusion. And I've been on the board with Miles also. I've also been on, on, on board with him. He's been consistent. And he, again, I don't think he's been utilized the way he should been used, utilized. And, yeah, I'm going to be one of those ones that's going to be cheering for him, just like we're cheering for Hines right now. So, yeah. Well, I've seen, and thank you, J.J. I'll, I'll pay up on that. Just remind me of it, J.J. I had Noah Kyle just led me astray there. Well done. Um. Miles was utilized well last night. He was utilized accurately last night. When they sent him in the fourth to the bench, that was an accurate call by Rick Carlisle because he had to go because he was a level of foobar, and I recognized that. Somebody had asked me a little bit earlier, why do you continuously back this dude up when nobody else does? That's the reason. That is the reason. I'm not going to go with this mob mentality. And it's not all cut and dry like that. And if I'm the last man standing with this, I'll take being the last man standing. But I'll be fair about it. And I will sure as hell be accurate about it. Booms on line five. Naheem Hines to Buffalo in return. Zach Moss and a six-rounder conditional picks coming here. What do you got, Boom? Hey, what's going on, JMV? Hey, first, first and foremost, I want to uh, – can you hear me? Yes, I got you. Okay. I want to give a shout-out to my indie uh, Intercept podcast people, uh, Meg, Justin, Kev, Chip, uh, C-Lou. Uh, we have been on Twitter like crazy today. I ain't even been able to get um, a lot of my work done because uh, I was just like, what the heck? And uh, I Don't get your ass fired or anything like that, all right? Make sure you get that work done. <laughs> No, nah, I was. I mean, I wasn't able to do everything, but um, yeah, man, I, I was really holding out that we didn't trade Naeem, man. I was like, come on, we gotta, we gotta figure something out to keep him on board. I was honestly thinking we were probably more inclined to trading Paris, maybe, uh, to just get some type of draft capital out of him, because I don't, I don't honestly think he'll be resigning um, after this year. Maybe a one-year deal, like prove it. But outside of that, nothing. I was really hoping we kept Naheem. But I'm really – it's like I think we're tanking, man. I, I really think we are tanking. Um, I think uh, Frank is gone at the end of the season, and I really feel like Chris could possibly be on his way out too. Um, getting Zach Moss in a conditional six-round pick, that's basically a, a six-round pick that's going to stay a six-round pick because even if it goes up to a fifth, it's going to be basically like, what, pick number 30? Yeah, I, I, may, I like to make fun of draft capital because I'm sick and tired of hearing it. I'm sick and tired of hearing yeah. that. I'm sick and tired yeah. of hearing about cap space. You know, for the past five and six years, most of the time, this has stunk. And all yeah, you right. do is hear about this garbage. It's never about winning games or challenging for – um, a division title. It's all about this crap. And frankly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm sick and tired of second and third and fourth chances here. I mean, at some point, you just got to say, this is what it is, and your, your trust will fade. 
if you're right. Jim Irsay, yeah, in what these guys, decision-making-wise, have been doing because we go by results, and that's all we're doing. There's no axe to grind. There's no agenda. We're going by results, and this hasn't been it. Right. I, I Honestly, I feel like we just traded Naeem just to get him out of town because Zach Moss, he's going to still be the number third running back. Well, he's a high you – know? and, and, and boom, he's a high – a higher paid running back, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you get some cap relief because of that, and then everybody around here in analytics will get all aroused about that, and then uh, it'll kind of make me want to barf some more. So, yeah. What are we going to use this draft? What are we going to use this salary cap room for? What are we going to put it towards? Here's what I'm thinking about. Here's what I'm thinking about Boom and Naheem here. All right? You draft him as a fourth rounder. Um, you you develop him, move him down the road. You talk him up. You say, this is what he's going to be. This is what we're going to do with him. And none of that happens. And then you end up trading him for a conditional sixth rounder and a guy that basically had fallen out of favor in Buffalo. That's what you do. And that's. And that's why your head coach and your GM got to go. Because if the head coach is sitting here telling you, hey, he's, you know, you need to draft him for your fantasy team. He's going to do this and that. And then comes the season and it's the same thing as the previous year. And then you trade him for just a pack of Newports and maybe a stick of extra gum. I mean, it's like, yeah, bro, it's time for you to go. Like, both of y'all, it's time for y'all to go because y'all basically failed what we were supposed to do. This was a this was a Super Bowl or bus year. Well, and, and, and boom, I, I get a run here to hit the break. It, it wasn't a, a Super Bowl or bus, but it was win this division. Challenge at the very least for the de- decision. I mean, it was that. And to be where you are right now, those are grounds to me. Those are grounds to move on from both. Easily grounds. I don't care if it's just after Halloween. Those are grounds. Those are results that give to me, should give the option of making major moves. It's not going to be now, but at the end of the season. Because this has been a failure. Quick break. We'll come back with you. Joel Erickson of the Star, top of the hour. Naheem Hines to Buffalo. Zach Moss, a conditional six-rounder from Buffalo here before the trade deadline. More on that. Marcus Brady, the OC, fired by the Colts earlier today. Back to that with you next. The Ride with JMV. Nachos, lemon heads, my dad's both. You won't go down. Cause my- 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Raystraw, Ben Brown, podcast, 107.5thefan.com. You can watch Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Watch, listen, participate. Act like a weasel. Do whatever you want to do in there. Most do. Inside the Lounge, again, via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio. As always, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Naheem Hines traded to Buffalo. Zach Moss and a conditional six-rounder that could turn into a fifth-rounder. Woo! And I guess a little bit of cap relief as well. Hold on a second. A little bit of cap relief, too. That and Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator that some of you probably didn't even know was the offensive coordinator, was relieved of his duties earlier today to speak regarding that and more from the star. He covers the Colts, Joel Erickson, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Somebody brought this up, and I hadn't seen it. I hadn't read it any place, and it was just a question to me. Anybody out there think that Naheem Hines wanted to go someplace else? This wasn't something that he asked for because my, my producer Kyle had mentioned 
that these are things you you probably hear if a player asks for it. There is no thought that 21 asked to go someplace else at this trade deadline at all, is there? Um, I don't know if I don't know if Naheem himself. I I think that there's some element of his representation that maybe uh, would like to see him in a different spot or see his role beefed up. So, so you think that maybe not him, but his reps ask for that. So I got to give a shout out to the Twitter follower who just asked me that because I had not seen that considered anywhere um, until I just asked the question. I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, and Adam, Adam Schefter sort of said that as well, uh, sort of hinted at that. I can't remember exactly what he said when on ESPN when he announced the trade, but he also said something along those lines um, when when he was talking about it after, right after the news broke. Well, shout out to Robbie on here that maybe was on it. Uh, what's the level of disappointment you have in, in what they ended up settling for? You, you draft a guy in the fourth round, you develop him. You always talk about how he's going to have a significant role and be a heavy producer and that never came to fruition. Um, you go out and trade him at this trade deadline, whether it was because of his reps wanted him to go someplace else or he did or they did or whatever. Uh, where is the level of disappointment in doing what they did with Naheem Hines earlier today? Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I've been told that they wanted a, a significant return. Um, I, I think it can be debated whether Zach Moss and, and the conditional six-rounder are enough uh, for a player that they signed. I mean, they, only, they signed him to an extension, a three-year extension, just – Last year, uh, he was supposed to be a part of the uh, a part of the team uh, long term. It was supposed to be a, a significant. I, I just was going through a quote from the from Chris Ballard at the owners' meeting saying, you know, Hines is a valuable member member of the organization. His role never really grew beyond what it what it had been kind of the whole time he'd been here. Somewhere between he played thirty five percent of the snaps uh, this season. That's right around where he'd played in every other year. Somewhere between twenty nine and Thirty uh, percent of the snaps, um, the uh, or not thirty, twenty nine and like thirty nine. I think thirty nine was the highest in his rookie year when Marlon Mack was hurt. Um, but it, what he'd done this season, they talked about getting him in the slot more. They talked about throwing him a lot of passes. He is third on the team in receptions, but he hadn't really played any more in terms of playing time. That role, the, the slot role, I, I, I think is kind of became lessened in need the way Paris Campbell has played over the last four weeks. Uh, and the other thing is the, the emergence of Alec Pierce in the passing game has given the Colts the number two that they didn't really have in those two years with, with Andrew Luck and Phillip Rivers when, um, when, they hit, when he had 63 catches and had his, had his most productive years. In 2020 with Rivers, they probably had more of a – they probably had more two, two receivers instead of one because Hilton only caught 56 passes. But, yeah, I – I think some of the receiver need probably lessened what he was going to do in in the passing game this year. And he he hadn't been very good in the run game. He was averaging just two yards a carry. Whose fault? Where, where, do you, where do you lay claim for blame as far as him never living up to the expectation? Him, the team, the offensive situation, the coaching? Where is it? Where do you point a finger? Uh, in terms of – if it's in terms of, you know, being a – I think that the expectation from from me, I think the most expectation was that he would probably get you know above that 63 catch to 70 catch guy. I don't know if I ever really saw him being a a big time guy in the in the running game. I, I will say that from 
his side, if you look at his, his career longs outside of the punt return, it's not as much as you'd expect for a guy who's considered to be as explosive as that. Um, but in, in terms of in terms of his role in the offense, not, never really expanding it beyond that that you know thirty five thirty six percent. He didn't necessarily have as many chances. Now, you know when when Jonathan Taylor's going really really well and he's really healthy, do, do you do you want that uh, or do you want to take him off the field a lot? I don't know. They never really dove hard enough. I thought into the package where they had both of them on the field this year this year everything with the running game and and with the offense is kind of tied to the offensive line but I think that has more to do with his his running game lack of production than anything he he missed probably what would have been his most productive game because of the concussion the the Jacksonville game when Deion Jackson caught the 10 passes that would have been a a big game for Naheem Hines but they're probably not really headed towards doing that I you know what we saw on Sunday where he had five carries and two catches and they spread the ball around in the passing game that's probably what they'd like to be going forward it's Joel Erickson of the star via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline and I want to get to what they got in return at all did, did they feel it was necessary to get a rostered player right now was Zach Moss did that matter what what role did that play in your estimation in that deal i i don't know i I don't know i hadn't been told anything specific like that i i just you know the the the, what i've been able to get was that they didn't want to give him away um they didn't want to just you know make make a deal for the sake of making a deal so it feels to me like moss is the significant piece of this because a six rounder that could turn into a fifth um you know that's 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 generally more in the developmental special teams type player portion of the draft. That's not that's not really a huge return, at least to, to my way of thinking. So if they can get something out of Moss in this last year and a half of his uh, rookie contract, I think that would be the the return that that could maybe make this trade look look less uh, lopsided than it does to Heinz fans. I want to move on again. Naheem Hines traded to Buffalo, and Zach Moss, a running back who had fallen out of favor. Uh, in Buffalo uh, with their variety of weapons comes here along with a conditional six-rounder. Joel, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I had stated I felt that Marcus Brady was a scapegoat earlier today. I kind of fell on the proverbial sword, I guess, for this offense's shortcomings where it wasn't certainly all on his shoulders. What say you? Uh, I was surprised that that was the move. I was surprised that he was the um, – the person who was fired, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of stuff that the offensive coordinator does um, in terms of having, you know, they've got their hands on the whole offense. They've got their hands on this, you know, the way the offensive lines played and, and the slow starts and all that, that kind of thing. But, you know, it felt like just the offensive line being the, the you know, overwhelming reason that the offense has struggled so far. Um, like that, that seemed like if you were going to make a move, that seemed more obvious. Um, and, and obviously, you know, uh, Chris Ballard said in January, you know, Frank Reich is the head coach in the OC. Uh, he was saying that in reference to, you know, you know, with, if Reich would have a, a play a role in selecting a new quarterback. But you know, he said he's the head coach in the OC, so it's it felt like it does feel like it does feel like something that you didn't see coming, and in a way that uh, I don't know that we've we haven't got a chance to talk to Frank Reich yet, but I don't know that we have a, a, a great public explanation for joe erickson he does join us you know i I look back at last year and they had similar problems 
with with starts and and you know getting in an early hole is, is this something that they could have recognized and dealt with when it really mattered not waiting until it looks like he's a scapegoat when when really you could say they're in it whatever but it doesn't look like it really matters right now when they pull the trigger on this move uh the starts at maybe at the end of last year but previous prior to that i think or at least over the first four years, it was one of the faster starting teams. Last year, especially early on, they couldn't hold leads. No, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was talking about just the, the past two, I guess, when he was elevated to that position when Seriani went to Philly. Okay, okay. Sorry yeah, about I, that. I, I didn't clarify. Still, I think they were still okay on first drives last year. I felt like they struggled when they got off the script up until up. I will say up until you know the Arizona Arizona game, Las Vegas game, and, and the last Jacksonville game were obviously uh, slow starts. Um, but uh, w- without necessarily getting a full explanation or a detailed explanation, it's hard to know if it's something that they could have uh, addressed this offseason by making a change there. You know, he's, he's a guy that they, they knew a lot about. He's, he's been developed up through this staff, um, climbing from, you know, through quarterbacks coach and then the offensive coordinator when, when Nick Sirianni was there. And it, it felt like somebody who, who had – plenty of knowledge and cachet of the offense. So we kind of need some some details to go on in terms of evaluating what, what was going on here. So you, do you have any um, specifics as far as his responsibilities that ultimately led well, them to make the, that decision? The coordinator, it, it's all – so. It, I, and I, no, no, normally it's the scripting of the plays and, and all this stuff um, to start a game, but anything else that could have led to this? Or it, was, was this specifically, I guess, a, a Frank? In a Chris decision, a Frank decision, or was it a Jim Irsay decision? Did something have to happen? Was there something else, I guess, the motivation my, my being here? My understanding is that Jim Irsay was not – this is not a Jim Irsay decision. Um, you know, my understanding is that uh, is that it came from, from Reich. Um, usually him and Ballard talk about stuff, but my understanding is that it came from Reich. It, the, the offensive coordinator has their hands on a lot of different things. The, the way the Colts offensive staff is built – um, a lot of the position coaches have different areas that they work on. They, they take that information. It all funnels through the offensive coordinator, I believe, um, uh, projecting this right, and then to get to right for the game plan. And they work collaboratively on the game plan and the script and everything like that. So uh, there's a lot of responsibilities that the coordinator has, even though he's not calling plays, even though Reich is, is ultimately the, the head of the so, Joel, in the Tennessee game, I remember after the game, Frank had kind of you know, taken the fall, so to speak, for a play that didn't get in there quick enough, and then the play didn't end up working in a big moment of the game. And he said he was, you know, busy over there, and rightly so, arguing about a face mask call that um, that shouldn't have been made or should have been made, I should say, in, in this case. And now, you know, he's put himself in the full-time offensive coordinating position, and the head coach – is that good for this team? I mean, I guess we're going to know now where the, the complete and utter blame lies if things aren't better, if things aren't fixed. But how do you think this thing works out? Well, you know, in terms of play calling, like the Tennessee one, that, that was tied specifically to that face mask uh, on Hines, of, of all people, um, uh, that, 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 that he was arguing. I think, you know, most people watching the game, it was pretty obvious it was a face mask. So that's kind of a specialized situation. Uh, in some in some way, I don't know how much it changes what Frank's doing because he's already calling the plays. He's already heavily involved in the game plan, but it is a lot more on his shoulders, um, and and that's got to be that's got to be tough. Any like any time a court, 
coaches trying to do a bunch of different things, uh, you, you wonder if it's going to be too much. Yeah, and the same because it's funny, and I, this is just kind of fan-motivated here, and I'm sure you've heard the same thing, but most people are saying that Frank – you know, should drop the the play calling and just concentrate on overall coaching and give it to to Marcus Brady before Marcus Brady was fired. I, I know. I, Brady and I knew that was never going to happen, but that was just you know, again, yeah. fans being fans, ask if that could be done. Yeah, and Brady didn't have play calling experience. You know, I'm sure that was something he would like to have gotten to at some point, but he didn't have any play calling experience, and it never really felt like. It never really felt like that was a realistic possibility outside of what, you know, people online were saying or fans were saying. I'm curious your thoughts. And Joel Erickson of the Stars with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did it feel, and I know that you, you, you get the pulse. I mean, you're going in there and you're, you're a part of it um, when you're allowed to be in there as well. But was the locker room for what you heard overall on board with the change at quarterback, even beyond the injured shoulder of Matt Ryan? Was everybody on the same page? Uh, the, the the word we kept getting last week was shocked. Uh, the word we kept getting from you know basically everyone. You name a position, name a, a, a player that we talked to. It, it shocked or surprised or I think off guard. But those are really all kind of the same thing. So uh, you just take them at their word. They they weren't expecting it. And uh, I think I think Ellinger earned a lot of respect for the way he played on Sunday, uh, just from the locker room. We heard some of that stuff in the locker room. But man. And DeForest Buckner said, I wanted to get that one for Sam. You know, there was, I think there are other interviews that I weren't in, that I wasn't in. There were some people who said, you know, the same sort of thing. But if, you know, the shot just comes from up, up until last week, Ellinger was an unknown. He had never played in a game. Uh, and I think that that's, that's probably part of it. But that's, that's the word that was used last week. And I think you draw as many conclusions from that as you can. Yeah, I, I guess you, you first, I think, wonder, Joel, if if that shock was because of, hey, what are we doing here? Does that mean the season's over because we're going with this guy right now? Over Not just one you know, dinged-up veteran that was a starter, but another a former Super Bowl champion veteran here. So I, I'm assuming that may be a, a part of the shock, too, you as well? Yeah, no one no one went there. I mean, this, this locker room generally um, – you know, even even in a season that's been very difficult, has been pretty on message and unified. And you know, right right after they said they were shocked, almost every player then would say, "Hey, we're going to get behind Sam. We're going to rally around him." So if if it was there, no one really said it last week. But there there was obviously some surprise and shock. What was going on? What'd you think of the way that Ellinger played in that first start Sunday? I, I thought it was uh, encouraging. Um, I thought I thought the the best way I could put this is I I felt like Ellinger proved he belonged, and that might sound like you're like I'm understating a little bit, but we we didn't really know that he'd never played in a game. There's been a lot of you know lower round draft picks who didn't have experience over the course of a bunch of different NFL teams, and I mean JMV, you know this better than I do. There's there's been some preseason stars in Colts history recently yeah. that people love that never really amounted to anything in terms of you know as a as, as an actual player in the NFL. Ellinger, to me, looked like a guy who can play in the NFL and but deserves and belongs to be in the NFL. Like, can he be a starter? Can he be a franchise starter? We don't, we've got one game. I don't know if we have enough to say that yet. There's a lot of stuff you have to prove to get to that point. And then, you know, once you start talking about, like, can someone be a franchise? We're, we're so far away from that because we we have questions about that with quarterbacks who've been starting for their teams for 10 years <laughs> And their fan bases are asking that question. 
But in terms of just what happened on Sunday, I thought he was very poised. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks would have gone to pieces after kind of losing the ball on a fumble that deep in, in the other team's territory and some of the in the way they started. And he never he never flinched, kept playing, got better as the game went along, thought he was accurate, thought he bought time with his feet, uh, seemed like he mostly made good decisions. Uh, he, he looked like a pro. And and that's no small thing, especially at the quarterback position where, you know, you've seen a lot of guys over the years have debuts that looked a lot worse than that. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's a good step for him. And we'll see where he goes from here. We'll see where he goes as, as teams start to game plan for him as he goes in, up against the Belichicks and those guys of the world. Uh, but uh, a, good, a good, encouraging first start from Ellinger. You know, Joel, just about halfway through the season now, and obviously ultra disappointing from a Colts standpoint, and nothing has really been more disappointing than an offensive line that we have seen. So much riding on it, so much money, so many expectations, and they have been a flat disaster for the most part this year. Have you been able to put a finger on what has led to such a low level of play with a group where there was so much thought about going in? It feels really like it's a it's a combination of factors. Um, it feels like it's a combination of you know some personnel gambles at left tackle and right guard to elevate people who then have subsequently been pulled out of those positions because they weren't performing. Um, not not adding veterans or you know giving giving a veteran like Dennis Kelly an earlier chance at the left tackle position, um, and then and then obviously you have you have some guys not playing nearly as as well as you expected. Um, and, and it's hard to, you know, Quentin Nelson told, told our columnist Greg Doyle last week, he felt like his technique had to be better. Um, we've seen him maybe have more bad moments than we've seen him have in the past. Without someone telling us exactly why some of these guys aren't playing as well, it's hard to put a finger on it. But it feels like there's just all this, all of it is, Sort of, you know, when an offensive line is playing well, you talk about how all five of them are making themselves better than the sum of their parts. This is uh, the exact opposite of that. The sum of the parts and all of the all of the weaknesses are dragging down the entire unit. Does this do anything for the short term future, as far as being the highest paid offensive line and being so woefully awful to living up to expectations this year? Uh, how is this viewed and how, I guess, do they wiggle out of some of this mess they're in with high-dollar contracts with guys that aren't nearly living up to that expectation? They they have cap space, and there's a lot of different things you can do with the cap if they wanted to make moves away from it. I, it'd, be, it'd obviously be hard to move away from you know somebody like Quentin who you just signed. I don't know that you necessarily want to. I think I saw Brandon Thorne, who's a I think he works for Bleacher Report and is sort of an offensive line expert, say today that you know Nelson isn't necessarily playing like he's played in the past, but he's still playing pretty well overall. Um, but you you can make some of those moves. The cap's about to shoot up. The Colts have cap space anyway, so there's they'll, they'll have the flexibility to do that. It's the question of you know. What's how's the rest of the season go? What are they? What are we looking at at the end of this season? Um, is there a significant? Is there bigger change than we've seen in the last two weeks? You know, last two weeks there's been a starting quarterback change and an offensive coordinator change. Are we headed for more of that? That that's going to set the tone for what happens with the offensive line. 
Dude, I know you love it when you cover the team on a not just a daily, but an hourly, a minute by minute basis, and then you get the uh, a safe report from Rappaport on Sunday morning, leading up to from the owner, and you get Mortensen saying what he says regarding the owner and everything okay with the general manager and the head coach. Uh, my assumption was with all of that, and I'm I'm curious your opinion was well at that moment, yes, but as far as the end of the season, that's still up in the air. Would you agree? I mean, as recently as two months ago, we were still talking about Matt Ryan being a starter for two years. So things can obviously change. That's that's the way I looked at that. That's the simple way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I hate to bring up other things. I mean, I, I know you worked that and you go, come on, man. And I would agree with you on that, especially you and, you know, Mike, who's been here forever and everybody else that they certainly work a hell of a lot harder than I do um, covering that product. Um, I would expect a little bit more as far as information is concerned, not to go out to uh, the national types, but but whatever. And that's that's exactly how I, I took it. I took it. All right. Well, it's a, a day before Halloween here. We're not talking about the end of the season. Because this is going down the path the way that it is right now to be probably um, as worst-case scenario disappointing as we could have come up with any scenario, correct, at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone here locally or nationally saw saw this happening. I mean, last – just look at the national reaction last week to the the move with Matt Ryan. Now, I think Ellinger surprised most people – with how well he played. But if you look at the national reaction last week, it's like, wait, what's, what are the Colts doing? What's going on here? Because the expectation nationally was that Matt Ryan was going to stabilize a roster that seemed like it was just, you know, quarterback away or from, from being contender last year, winning the AFC South. And instead now, you know, with every passing week, it feels like the Titans are slipping further and further ahead. That's a significant disappointment. You know, Jim Arce said at the owners meeting, we want to win the division. Um, so that's that's the benchmark, and right now, you know, they're they're behind them, looking up at it, and it, it's going to take a, a heck of a turnaround to to get back in front. All right, so how do you view the next two weeks? Let's say Sam Ellinger, for example, in Foxborough, where things, regardless of the quarterbacks, rarely gone well for the Colts in there. And then you know, a team that didn't even score when they go to Vegas coming up in, in a couple of weeks. The Raiders got a goose egg down in New Orleans this past weekend. Let's just short-term this thing. How do you view the next two with starter Sam Ellinger? Well, the, the, the Patriots, with the way their offense is, um, and kind of, kind of honestly, the, the way the Raiders have been too. Um, if they can just, if the Colts can just avoid turning it over, uh, they're going to have a chance, I think, in these games because the defense has played well. I know they had the, the two drives, um, but Buckner's playing great. Stewart is playing as well as a no tackle can play. Um, defense has generally been pretty good, um, and so if they can avoid turning it over, you know, if they don't. If they don't have the two fumbles deep in Washington territory, then those last two drives don't end up mattering on Sunday. So I think that they could have a chance. But at this point in the season, when it's happened over and over and over again, where late in the game, you're, or, or, where you don't have a chance because you had turnovers earlier, it's, it'd be more of a surprise if they didn't have something happen like that than the opposite. So they've got to play cleaner. They've got to play cleaner football, and we've been saying that all season. Because if they play cleaner football, they're going to have a chance in a league where. Offense is depressed this year, um, especially against some of these offenses that have struggled the last couple of weeks. Final thing, uh, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Go. Go. Um, 
Final thing with you here, getting back to Naheem Hines being traded to Buffalo and what they got in return. Were you at all surprised that that was the lone move that the Colts made? Um, no, I mean, I didn't feel like, uh, especially with, with some of Ursay's comments, feeling like they were energized by the move uh, to Ellinger, to, you know, what he said to Chris Mortensen. Um, that's, that's what we have quoted. So, so based on what he said to Chris Mortensen, um, it felt like the team didn't necessarily see it as a, a time to sell. Um, and so I, I wasn't really surprised that it was just the one move. Joel Erickson of the star on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. I appreciate you jumping on. Um, we had a lot to sort through right there and, uh, you did it fantastically. So yeah, apparently now everybody's starting to chime in that obviously 21 was becoming frustrated and, uh, did not mind whatsoever, a change in address. And he got that. He got that earlier today. I appreciate you, Joe. Yep. Yep, thank you. Joel, you got, you got a buddy. Joel Erickson of the Star and the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. I think Zach Kiefer's got something here. Naheem Hines growing frustrated on his way to Buffalo. And I can't read the entirety of it right now. i got to hit a break. But the running back frustrated by his lack of usage in the past two seasons. Colt struggles so far. I think it was mentioned even by Adam Schefter here recently that his representation lobbed that out there. So that is another layer in which we can try to peel away here as well. Again, Naheem Hines being traded to Buffalo. Zach Moss, the running back, who was a backup and a conditional six-round selection coming here. Also today, the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, was fired. We'll get your thoughts in the final 30 here. Also, somebody's going to go to what is going to be a fantastic New Year's Eve party over at the Mirai Old National Center featuring Yacht Rock Review. Somebody's going to win those tickets before the top of the hour. Trackside at 7. This show is outstanding. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, Facebook Live. You got Twitter, the app, the stream, HD Radio. Let's get some of your calls and more in the final 30 here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Ranks Rob Brown, Erickson Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Better yet, you can just check it out via the YouTube live stream. Uh, Shout out to Robbie, who sent this a little bit earlier, then I just saw... Uh, within, I don't know, the past 45 minutes or so. In case you missed it, Naheem Hines was traded to the Buffalo Bills right there at the 4 o'clock trade deadline of the NFL for Zach Moss, backup running back, and a six-round conditional pick. And I, I obviously, when Schefter was on talking about it, I was on here. Um, evidently, Schefter and now I think others are also talking about it, that the representation of Naheem Hines had actually asked for a trade. I don't care. I hope the guy kicks ass up there. I do. Because he is a good dude. I hope he goes up there, plays well, gets plenty of opportunities. We'll see. Gets to the postseason. Clearly, they're... High watermark is the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. I think it's great. Good for him. Good for him. 
And again, it does not sidestep organizationally this thing being a mess. It just doesn't. But nothing but the best to 21. Sean writes this, on the bright side, you can say about Matherin, he has been a stud so far and he hasn't started a game yet. Yeah, he has. Even when he struggled, I, I tell you what I like probably the most about Matherin and watching him so far this year, even in the couple of games, I think one was in Philly, and certainly he did at the outset of the game last night, that he has struggled, but he's found a rhythm. A lot of these young guys, especially first year, especially first couple of weeks guys, struggle and they don't dig themselves out of it. He has struggled and he has hung with it and dug himself out of it. I like that. What do they call it back in the day? Intestinal fortitude. Not testicle fortitude. Intestinal fortitude is what they called it. I love that. Man, he's just hardcore. He's a hardcore, I care about this type of basketballer, and I think we all dig it. Right, Sean? Diggler writes this, so because of the incompetence of the offensive line coach, not knowing how to successfully use a fourth-round pick with a big upside, we have to feel obligated to trade him to crap because he's frustrated. I'm glad they did. I'm happy for him. Because as I said yesterday, I I love and I believe a a former talking head is going to be at the Mural National Center here relatively soon. I want to say in February. I could be wrong about that. Not David Byrne, but yeah, you're going to hear talking head songs at the Mural. They have a noted song called Road to Nowhere. That's exactly where this team is here right now. So you get out. You get out of the path of the road to nowhere and go someplace where they have the highest of expectations. I I like Naheem enough to want to see that happen. Uh, This guy says this, if Hines was a good player, he would have played, period. Frank isn't going to play a good player. I bet he does the same thing in Buffalo. (laughs) Okay. My man, this Sean Jackass has been wrong about essentially everything. Everything. And then this is the best part about it, man. He's the one that he's going to scream at. I can't believe you're saying that. You're always negative. And then when you look down what he has just said, he's like equally negative. Clown show. 100% clown show. You are, but I'm glad you're still here because I can, I can rail on you. I can call you names and you still come back, brother. That does that does show me a little something, Sean. Jackass or not, I know that you're gonna come back. Shout out to you. Marcellus at two three nine ten seventy. What is happening? Man, look, hey, the news the news has been so hot the last couple of weeks, man. I I swear you need a convi- one of those Commissioner Gordon red phones so I can get in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Wayne Manor going to answer that bat phone really quick. There's no I, doubt. I know, I know, man. Well, my friend, look, it's like this: it's Christmas time for Naeem. It's still Halloween for us, man. We can and we get more tricks than treats here in in, that. in, in, in Indy, man. And. Uh, all I can say is this, um, you know, you got you got two shit guys, right? You know, you got 
and you want you give them both eggs, milk, and flour to make the best pancakes ever, right? Yeah. And what's gonna happen is that one chef is still gonna is gonna still gonna make the better pancakes than the other guy. It's just gonna happen, right? And and the reason why is because one chef knows how to use his ingredients better. The other guy doesn't. And we got a chef that had Naeem Hines and just couldn't figure out how to use those ingredients. And now he's gone. And okie dokie. I, I know that you're a big time Colts fan. I'm 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 curious. Yeah. How how many yeah. how many of those ingredients might be faulty? Overblown. Oh 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 I think that I think the groceries are bad. <laughs> Because <laughs> so this analogy can keep going, right? man. I'm digging it. So go ahead. Yeah, 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 man. Hey, so many bad ingredients on this team, and uh, but at the same time, you know, I've I've watched that show called Chopped on Food Network. I don't know if you're a fan of it, but they they put crickets in there. They'll put chocolate bars and and, and graham crackers and there and they, and somebody will make a great dessert out of it, yeah. regardless. And it's just about the skill of the chef. And we got a chef here with no skill. If if this and, group – can you buy into this group coming back? Um, if if this particular no, – you, you want this chef, chef <laughs> no, to go no shopping way, again? Man. No way. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Brady that called the Wildcat in, in Houston. It wasn't Brady that chose not to do a sneak that Heineke wound up doing in the, this past Sunday. It wasn't Brady. That was Frank Reich, and he he said, "I called the plays." I remember him saying, "Somebody asked him one time in one of those press conferences, have you ever considered somebody else calling the plays so you can over?" No, no, no. These are, this is mine. And at some point, man, at some point, Ursay, Ursay's got the patience of Job. I mean, he just does, man. And I saw some. I said once before, this guy. Uh, this guy has sat back for a long time, and a lot of people got mad when he when he did the Ellinger switch. Okay, you know that was Ursay. You know it was Ursay, and it's like, hey, he he's not meddling. He's just got he. Everybody's got a, a breaking point, and, and and he's he's seen years of, of 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 just bad decisions, and he's just not saying anything. And the fans see it, and everybody's like, yeah, let's go with Sammy E. And, and you know, he Sammy played a pretty good game. You know, I don't know if he's the answer, but at the same time, it was better than what we knew we were going to get, especially with that front seven coming in. Yeah, and I, and I said fine, and people got mad about it. But, yeah, I mean, it um, it was um, 16 points is still not enough to beat you and I in the NFL, but. I mean, at least yeah. it was it was it was different, I guess. And we'll see if we feel that way after a trip yeah. to Foxborough coming up this weekend. My friend, am I going to talk to you Saturday night? Absolutely, man. Bingo! I'm counting them down. I got three more weeks, and then I go on Christmas I music know. hiatus. It's Christmas time, man. <laughs> hey, man you got to get, get into some jingle bells or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't do Burl lives twice an hour. I got to bail on it. <laughs> All right, man. Christmas and Hollis, man. Yo, I can definitely do that. Thank you, Marcellus. Chris, before the break, jump on here. How are you? Hey, John. Uh, just wanted just a few couple things. Um, so, Brady didn't really seem like he really even ha- like was basically collecting a paycheck. So, I don't think much is going to change there. The Colts, it seems like these draft picks that people are giving up for, like, Claypool and Ridley, like – it just doesn't make any sense of why you wouldn't want to do that. Claypool, it would be better than anything we got here. And then last thing, Pacers, if we're really thinking we're going to get win by Yama, we're going to win way too many games. 
But love your show, buddy. I'll talk to you You soon. got it, Chris. I'm telling you. You guys didn't hear my theory a little bit earlier with the play regarding Miles last night, with the podcast regarding Miles that was unleashed upon everybody yesterday and all these different Pacer fans crapped their pants. Trying to promote himself, even on a day when he plays bad. So not only is he trying to promote himself to get treated someplace else, but he plays a horrendous game, which helps them get more ping pong balls. What's not the like? What's wrong with all of you clowns? Doing you a double service on a Monday, and you don't even take it. Sad. It makes me sad for some of you out there. I don't want to be sad for all of you, but some of you, it makes me sad. It's just too bad you can't recognize that. Recognize this, so I'm going to give you a chance to win coming up before the top of the hour. Sit tight for that. Trackside, 7 o'clock. We'll run down today's goings-on. Marcus Brady, OC fired. Naheem Hines traded to Buffalo by request, reportedly. Quick break, and we'll come back. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. What a good wife you would be. And I love my lady is the same. Unsee. Oh, that's a great song. You want to do number nine? Or you want me to have somebody get on here and guess who this is? Tell me who this is. You don't have any clue who sings this song, do you? No idea. I've become very accustomed to know that you probably don't know any of this type of stuff. Respect to you, though. It's way, 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 way before your time. How old are your parents? 58 and 55. All right. So six, maybe five and a half years older than me. Is that your father or your mother? My dad's 58. All right. Mom's 53. 53, did you say? 55. 55. So your mom was the class of 85? You don't know? No. I have no idea. Uh, the, the girls of the class of 85 at Eastern were hot. Were hot like Misty Rain. Misty Rains was ooh, hot. Rhea Sparks. I think Rhea Sparks is married to Brad Lawrence for a long time down in Bloomington of gold casting fame. Well done, Bradley. <laughs> Class of 85 was a golden era at Eastern Green. Let me pick somebody. I'm going to pick somebody out here. We got time? All right, 239-1070. I played that song because that's Yacht Rock, and Yacht Rock Reviews going to ring in the new year, coming up on New Year's Eve, going past the midnight hour to bring in 2023, just for you, in the ultimate New Year's Eve party at the Mira Old National Center. I believe, are tickets on sale now, or are we going to give these away right now before you can buy them? I think they're on sale right now. Just make sure you're a part of it, too. You'll have me, by the way, on the air. Doing the JMV Takeover. I'll be back after the Christmas music hiatus for the New Year's Eve show. That's a Saturday night. I'm going to go ahead and pick something out here. Number five, 239-1070. Who is this? Who am I talking to? This is Joel. Joel, do you know who just sang that song? I do. Tell me. It's Looking Glass. Looking Glass, and the song is Brandy. Brandy. You're a fine girl. All right, props if you can tell me the year in which that song was popular. 
I'm going to – I got it on a 45. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say hmm, 73. Oh, just one off. 1972 looking glass oh. and brandy. Which, by the way, if and – I, and I hate to bring up this analogy, and I apologize in advance. If there were a Mount Rushmore of Yacht Rock songs, that song would be on it right there. There it is. Absolutely. All right, wait on hold for me. Kyle's going to set you up. You're going to go to New Year's Eve with Yacht Rock Review. That's fantastic. My friend, you got it. Thank you very much. Yacht Rock Review, Old National Center at the Mirage, coming up on New Year's Eve. Get your tickets right now. Be a part of the party, and then you got to listen to me on the way over there, too. And maybe even on the way back, because on New Year's Eve, sometimes I go well past midnight. It depends on how I feel. Good show today. Again, Marcus Brady fired as the OC of the Colts. Naheem Hines reportedly requested a trade and got traded to the Buffalo Bills. Zach Moss running back a six-round conditional pick coming back to the Colts. More on that tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw, Ben Brown, Joel Erickson on the podcast or inside the lounge via YouTube Live where you can watch, listen, and witness it all over again on YouTube Live at your leisure. Kyle, great job from you. Trackside's at 7. Back with you in studio tomorrow at 3. Have a great night. Thank you very much.